Thank y'all for tuning in to a special edition of the Cosign Conversations podcast. This is the Relationships with Money edition. Today we're joined by Gabriel Veasley. He's the founder of Connected Coworking. He's a CPA, finance coach, and business consultant. How you doing today, brother? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Man, thank you for joining us. Uh, so we said before, this is a special edition of Cosign Conversations, Relationships with Money edition. And today I just kind of wanted to talk to you about structuring your business and the importance of business taxes. Um, I've learned a lot firsthand about business taxes. So this is going to come from a a place of curiosity as well as education for those who are participating in the program. So I just kind of want to start from the beginning. All right. So I want to, I want to create a business, right? Mm -hmm. Do you suggest people start with the DBA, LLC or S Corp and kind of talk to us about the difference of all three of them? Okay. Yeah. So I'll start with DBA versus LLC. So just understand the difference. It's going to always depend like on like, what the business is, what your goals are for it, when it depends how you structure it. So a DBA, it just stands for doing business as, and that right. just means it's like the name that you're doing business under. So a lot of stuff that I tell you is going to be mainly based in Texas that applies to other states, but some states are a little different than Texas. But okay. in Texas, you don't even need to incorporate, which is like having a corporation or LLC to have a business in Texas. Okay. The day that you start doing business, you're a business in Texas, and the IRS is going to want the taxes from you. Got you. DBA, it's just, you know, letting you, letting them know what the name is to the public, and it's really done at the county level, so no one else can, you know, do business under that name in your county. Okay. It's not a trademark or anything like that. It's not a legal entity. It's just, you know, you telling the county, like, hey, you know, I'm doing business. This is the name I'm using just to keep track of you. Got you. So basically, in Dallas County, you can register a DBA as Cosign Magazine, but it only applies to the county you're in, or does it still apply statewide? It's, it applies to the county you're in. So there is one that's called, like, Assume Name that you can do with okay. the Secretary of State, which is, uh, will we'll give you state coverage. But again, it's not a legal entity. It doesn't give you legal protection, anything like that. It's just a name. Gotcha. So that's one thing I do know. I do know that an LLC provides you that protection. So I think one thing a lot of people want to know is, okay, we know what a DBA is, but what's the difference between an LLC and an S-Corp? Yeah, so, well, one, there there is no difference. So okay. the S-Corp is not an entity. That, like an LLC is limited liability company. It's actual legal formation for a business. S-Corp is just a tax election. Okay. So with LLCs, they're real popular because they do give you the liability protection, but right. also it's flexible because it's like a mix between having a corporation and just having, you know, a sole proprietorship or a partnership from a tax perspective. So it's different tax elections you can take. So by default with LLC, if it's just you, KG, by myself, I'm right. starting KG LLC, you're going to be taxed as a sole proprietor. It's okay. going to all, you know, it, they call it pass-through. So it's going to, you know, anything your business makes, it's going to pass through to your personal tax return when at the end of the day you pay tax on it. If it's me and you, KG, and GV LLC, you know, you know, we're a partnership now. Right. It's a little different on the tax side, but ultimately we still pay on our personal. If we had a corporation, which you would call like C-Corp election, you know, for okay. LLC, then the business, you know, you know, would pay taxes by itself. With S-Corp, it's kind of a blend between C-Corp and the regular. So it has, you know, different advantages, but really at the basic level, it's just a tax election. So it's not actual entity type. Got you. Because I did hear, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard like S-Corps and C-Corps, you're basically getting taxed twice. That's why a lot of people don't use it. Is that correct? Yeah, so C-Corps, they have double taxation because you pay tax on the business side with a C-Corp. And then also, when you take money out of that business, you personal pay on side. the personal side as well. Okay. So that's why um, a lot of people don't want to do C-Corps when they're like smaller businesses. That's more advantageous for like larger companies with, you know, X amount of employees, X amount of revenue, mm-hmm. where it's more advantageous for them to do it that way because it's not just one person just making the money, keeping it for themselves. Makes sense. So in our first uh, programming for relationships with money, 
we talked about like legacy planning and people are talking about going into whether you know if you're going to keep it within the family or if you plan on exiting, right? Mm-hmm. And I was watching a podcast and when they're talking about exiting or searching for investors, I feel like they said like on the investor side, you want to be an Inc. Incorporated. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, corporations, they definitely have a lot more flexibility in what you can do as far as like getting investment, being able to get venture capital money, being able gotcha. to go public. Um, and also, you know, because in the day when you form an entity, it's its own legal entity. It lives beyond you. So you start a you start a corporation and you die, the corporation is still going to be there. The question is, you know, who does it pass to? Right. Got you. Okay. So let's say we're just going to say we have an LLC. All right. So we started an LLC today, KG LLC. What's the next thing to do to structure your business? So, I mean, first you follow the Secretary of State. Okay. You get your LLC. Next thing you want to do is get your EIN with the IRS. Okay. You know, it's free. You can do it online. Don't let nobody charge you for it. <laughs> Don't pay $200 to get see, it done. I see people charging for it. I got, y'all. Yeah, I got just, your number. Just Google, just Google file EIN. It'll right. pop up. It's on the IRS site. You could typically just do it online as long as no one else has the same name at the federal level. You're good to go. Once you get the EIN, now you can go and set up different things like, you know, a bank account. So that's what banks want to see. Banks are going to want to see your certificate of formation or your articles, depending on what type of LLC it is. And then they're going to see your EIN letter from the IRS. Okay. And then they'll open your business bank account. Okay. So speaking of business bank account, as a, you know, professional CPA yourself, what do you look for when, you know, looking to start to work or hire a bank or a banker? What are you looking for? What are some things people should look for to have that relationship? Yeah, so I put bankers in two types of categories. So I have one that'll be just a transactional type banker, and that's just someone I know, like, hey, this is, a, you know, a major bank. I know that, you know, if I meet this criteria for them, I could come to them and get this, no problem. Then, two, there's the relationship bank, and that's the one that small business owners really want to hone in on. So those are the ones where they'll more so be like a business advisor to you. So that's the person you can go to and say, hey, you know what, I've only been in business for like a year. This is what I want to do. And they'll tell you, you know, how to be able to do it versus the other bankers just going to say, well, hey, you need to go and do some work. Go talk to somebody, do some work. So when I'm looking at banks, whether it's like, you know, getting a loan for like real estate, business or whatever it is, I always ask them questions up front. I don't let them run my credit or anything like that. You know, if they're not going to answer basic questions for me on the phone about stuff, if they're not going to tell me what the process is and, you know, right. what it includes, then I won't work with them. So I just kind of ask a series of questions like that just to kind of see you know, what type of banker they are. And then, you know, if they pass that test, then, you know, I'll give them my business, open okay. an account, and kind of just grow the relationship from there. That makes sense. So I'm asking from, a, like, a super beginner's level, for somebody who wants to build a relationship with the new bank, do they charge for any of, like, these consultations, advisory, or is this a part of their job to kind of gain your business? No, it's all a part of their job. I've never okay. run into a banker that would charge you for anything. The worst case you'll get into is just they don't want to talk to you if you're not trying to fill out an application, and that's not the person you want to talk to anyway. And a lot of banks now, they're coming up with more like small business advisory type programs. So a lot of those bankers, a portion of their role is to just advise on businesses. So they should be willing to talk to you for free. Got you. So before we move on to business taxes, I want to make sure we've covered everything from structuring business. We talked about, you know, whether forming an LLC, a DBA, C-Corp, or S-Corp getting your EIN tax ID number, opening a business bank account. Are there any things that you've seen on the early stages to where people forget or they make mistakes that, you know, we should address? From a structure perspective, Correct. I mean, a lot of people, they just, they think it's like a one and done. Like you set it up, they don't understand like the maintenance that's required. So like when you, when you don't do an LLC, it's, it's less maintenance versus when you do an LLC, there's more maintenance afterwards. There's right. things like, you know, 
Who's your registered agent? So that's the person that gets like all of your official mail from like the state for like taxes or whatever it is. You get sued. That's the person that gets it. Okay. Um, you know, if you don't have one of those, you won't be in business long in the eyes of the state. Okay. Um, so it's different maintenance requirements. If you do a corporation, it's a lot more maintenance requirements. So right. that's like the number one thing that people don't realize is that there's upkeep. It's not just filing it and now we're good to go. You got to constantly have maintenance on it year over year. Got you. Now that makes sense. So let's get into taxes, which everybody <laughs> hates to talk about. But, you know, it's really important to get this knowledge because I was telling um, somebody in the previous class that, when I first started my business, I had no idea about franchise taxes. Right? <laughs> yeah, so I wouldn't, <laughs> yeah, so I wouldn't fill out my franchise taxes and I would end up forfeiting, yeah. you know, my LLC. So we're going to get into that. But there's so many um, different uh, aspects that people need assistance when it comes to business taxes. I want to kind of go over the misconceptions, the do's or don'ts, and things that people need to have in place. Mm-hmm. So we're going to kind of go over everything from basics to a little more in-depth. So that way, after watching this, they'll have a little more knowledge and, you know, will feel more comfortable asking questions when they plan to hire a CPA. Um, so before we get into that, CPA, certified public accounting, certified public accountant, someone who does your taxes, right? What's the difference? So differences with a CPA, we're held to a higher standard. So a lot of people think immediately CPA, oh, you could do my taxes. Like, right. yeah, I can. Um, But the difference between a CPA and just a tax preparer is the level of education that we go through and the Mm -hmm. amount of continuing education. So CPA is really one of the best business advice you can have on your team. So CPA can do more than taxes. They can help you uh, with cash management. They can help you with planning for the future strategically. Um, So that's kind of what you really want to lean on to a CPA for. Um, There are some CPAs who specialize just in tax, and they can do more advanced things like helping you figure out how to, you know, minimize how much tax you pay and plan for the future and stuff like that. But it's a very broad spectrum versus someone that's a tax preparer. Okay. They, you know, you don't need a, you don't need to go to school to be a tax preparer. You don't need a license or a degree. You can just study, take a test with the IRS and you pass that, you know, you're certified or you can go work in like H&R Block or something and they'll help right. you do that. And you could be a tax preparer and that's all you do. For sure. So I've been using a tax preparer for some years now. And, you know, a couple of my colleagues have been wondering, when is it that you be, that you start to need a CPA? Like, what at level? What level of business should you be at in order to hire a CPA? As soon as soon as you can afford it and it's practical for you, it's always a good idea to have one. Mm-hmm. At least have one in your network that can advise you, advise you take them to lunch or something. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say there's like a revenue size. It's just you know the CPA is able to give it. A lot of them are more on the expensive side, gotcha. but they might come in and do like some maintenance things with you like every quarter or something like that. So it just depends, like, you know, where you're at in your business, how you grow. So I would say, you know, probably first start now, you probably won't have access to a CPA unless you got a decent amount of capital that you can spend on that. But a good route might be starting with, you know, a bookkeeper, you know, making sure that your numbers are in order and straight and that you understand your numbers. Um, And then, like you said, having a tax prepare someone to help you with that. Um, You can try to tackle it on your own. Um, It's stuff that if you had a mind for it, you could do it on your own. Right. But it's always good to go ahead and start building that team from the bottom up. And then once you really need, you know, okay, I need something that's more forward thinking, strategic. I have like more critical thinking type questions other than, you know, this is what we spent last month and this is how much I need to pay type decisions. Then that's when you want to start thinking about getting a CPA involved. For sure. You mentioned bookkeeping. Um, So, you know, we we utilize QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's QuickBooks self-employed. It's really easy to manage. Um, you know, you link it to one of your business accounts, and then you just kind of go in there and itemize it. Do you recommend that entrepreneurs, startups, small businesses utilize QuickBooks? Yeah, no, for sure. Like, you definitely want to have an online cloud account of software like QuickBooks or okay. Zero or FreshBooks. 
they all do similar things, but the best part is it keeps, you know, your finances in order. It keeps an eye on what's going on so you can always see that. And then it's accessible, you know, with the cloud component. So you can see it on your phone. You can get on the computer. You can always access it when you need to. And it makes it a lot more advantageous for you when it comes to tax time because when we're talking about business taxes, they're different than personal. So right. pretty much your business financial statements, you know, your profit and loss statement, that's going to be the big basis for what your tax return is going to be. So if that's already prepared, it's going to save you a lot of time and a lot okay. of money paying somebody else to get that in order for you at the end of the year versus if you already have it. Gotcha. That makes sense. And the QuickBooks, it, it, it kind of tells me um, what I should expect to pay like quarterly, mm -hmm. right? So should, as a business, should you be filing quarterly or annually? And is there a difference between either or... Yeah, so technically by law, you're supposed to file quarterly. Oh. Um, if you if you don't file quarterly, you're not going to go to jail or anything like that, but mm -hmm. you, you may or may not get a penalty from the IRS at the end of the year. Um, even if you do pay quarterly and you don't pay enough, you could also get a penalty. So you're supposed to be estimating how much is due, which is why right. QuickBooks does that. Okay. And then you're supposed to be paying in quarterly. It's completely up to you if you want to do it. Um, for smaller businesses, the penalty isn't that much. It might not make a big deal to you when you right. get larger the penalties get more so, but the rule of thumb is yes, you want to file a quarterly. Okay. Speaking of that, man, do you, when you talk to clients, do you kind of tell them a percentage, you know, let's say you have a hundred percent of a pie of your business, right? Do you kind of tell them what percentage of that you should break down off of every purchase, sale, income towards taxes? Yeah. So you definitely want to at least be putting money aside. Um, depending on like your level of income, right. it's going to base what your tax bracket is, but you know, rule of thumb is anywhere between 30 to 40 percent is going to be safe um, mm -hmm. when you're at the start and out stages of the business. If you have like a, you know, more revenue type business, you probably want to just take out 50 percent and then assess okay. it each quarter and then pay in. OK, so let's say I started business this year. It's getting towards end of year it's time for me to, you know, file my taxes. What does the startup entrepreneur, what do they need to have prepared, ready before they come to a tax preparer or a CPA to ensure they have everything needed? To file their taxes they need to have just their basic identification information okay. you know your id you know your social stuff like that had it together um you're going to want to have those financial statements that's going to be the biggest piece when we're talking about business because that's right. majority of what it's going to be mm -hmm. all the tax preparer is going to do is take those financial statements you have and just change a few things around because the rules between you know regular bookkeeping accounting and the tax rules for accounting are a little bit different so they'll just make a few changes and then um, when it gets to your personal side, then they'll go at it that way, which will be a little more involved. All right, let's kind of talk about my favorite part now. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about, you know, writing off expenses. Mm -hmm. What can we write off? What shouldn't we write off to, you know, to alert IRS? Because nobody wants to get penalized or get audited or none of those situations. Um, to give you, even to give you a quick backstory. So there's a lot of entrepreneurs I talked with during the pandemic. Everybody was trying to get the PPP loans, mm -hmm. but a lot of, organizations didn't have their business set up correctly yep. to be able to capitalize off getting PPP loans. So that was their first mistake. Mm -hmm. um, something else I want to bring up before we just dive into is that, you know, a lot of times in our community, it's sad to say that a lot of entrepreneurs want to file their taxes in order to get a return, right? So that's claiming, that's writing a lot of stuff off and claiming a loss. Mm -hmm. But then when it's time to get, you know, capital or a business loan, you end up getting, you know, denied because you're not making any. So right. why would somebody want to give you money if your business is not making any money? Right. So outside of it being a mindset that we have to get out the mindset of, you know, wanting to seek returns, right? Mm -hmm. We have to be able to structure our business and our taxes to where one is honest, but two is showing that our business is profitable. That's how we gain capital. Mm -hmm. So 
First off, let's go with these right offs, right? <laughs> <laughs> so as a business, what are some common expenses that people could write off? And then let's kind of get into like some hidden ones that people may not think they could write off mm-hmm. certain expenses. Yeah, I mean, with common, it's going to just depend on like the type of business. So I'll just tell you like what the rules are for write offs because okay. it's, it's real loose. So the rules are any ordinary and necessary business expense for that industry. So if you do media, Anything that somebody else is writing off or you can explain, you can write off. So with the IRS, it's, you know, more so um, do it and ask for forgiveness later. So, like, if you work with, like, uh, a seasoned, like, CPA or tax preparer or somebody, right. what we do is we, when we do these write-offs, these expenses, we justify them and we have something called, like, reasonable basis. So we make okay. a case of, hey, you know what, KG took a trip to Africa and it was for this mm-hmm. co-sign thing. This is how we explain it and based on, you know, mm-hmm. These other cases we saw, we think it's more than seventy percent chance that the IRS is gonna say, "Hey, this sticks." Okay. So that's how that goes at like a higher level. But just like basic things, you know, people, you know, they duck meals, say they duck mileage. Those right. are basic things. Home office expense, which is really, you know, just taking the square footage of your house and you okay. get a deduction. You know, if you work at home, of course, if you have like a a retail place or office, you can deduct rent and you know ordinary business expenses like that. Gotcha. Okay, so you mentioned. Um you mentioned something earlier. So, like, let's say we're taking out, you know, clients to move. That's You can write that off, right? Yep. Okay. What about travel? If you're going on a trip, but you're also paying for, you know, a plus one assistant, does that count? <laughs> does that count? It, it could. It could. But you just got to be careful with that. So, like, what I see with people is they – they get caught up so much in, um, you know, I want to write off, I want to write off, I don't want to pay any tax that they really lose sight of, you know, is this really the best behavior that you should be spending your money? So, like, one misconception I do want to tell you about is, like, what people say, think, like, a write-off means that's a dollar-for-dollar for dollar reduction in how much right. tax you pay, and it's not. So, if you, you know, went to a meal, we went out to eat, and you spent $100, and, you know, it's just us hanging out, it wasn't for business or nothing, you're like, oh, it's cool, I'm going to just write it off. Right. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to save $100. You didn't, you know, you save more like $25. Uh, so that other $75 that you spent on us going out to dinner just because, you could have spent for something else that your business actually needed. That so it's sense. like a mentality that people have that, you know, needs to kind of be addressed a little bit. It's like, you know, that's a misconception is, you know, write-offs, it does, it, it's good when it's for your business, but it also often influences like bad behavior on spending okay. habits like that. Okay, so you also said um, – track gas miles track mileage instead of you know how much you spend on gas is that correct uh well there's there's two there's two methods so if you use your business vehicle like you know for more than you do for your personal then you can write off things like maintenance on a vehicle you can even depreciate your vehicle if it's for business the other method is using mileage so you keep track how many miles that you do and then you can deduct that okay so you don't have to keep gas receipts or use your key receipts for everything everything. because in the day no, if you know how much it is, you can do it, but you want to keep documentation because if you ever get audited, they're going to want to pull all that documentation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, now, you know, like credit cards, stuff like that is enough to suffice, but they have to be able to pull up some records. So if you're paying for cash for a lot of things, you need to be keeping those receipts because if they can't track it on paper and they come back, then they're going to say, well, it didn't happen, so you owe us more money. Okay, that's a great point. So for tools that people utilize like um, Square or Shopify, right, they have – they have a point to where you can make a purchase and you could insert it as cash, right? So let's say you want to buy a magazine, it's $20, you give me cash. I can track it on, you know, on Square as, you know, I sold this item, but they gave me cash at the end point, right? Yep. Um, is that something that people should continue to do or if they can take, you know, 
you know, debit card as much as possible to do those type of transactions. I mean, taking cash is fine. You just want to record everything. So I know a lot of people, they like to have cash businesses so they don't, they don't, <laughs> so they don't report how right. much they make. Um, but, you know, definitely keeping the documentation as long as you put it in the POS, that's the main part because now it's in mm. your accounting system and now you're keeping track because you really want to know that data because, you know, you could just take cash and not keep track of how much you make. But then when it comes to like, all right, what are we doing next year? What are we trying to accomplish? You know, you don't really have any data. You say, okay, this is what we can do or this is what we should do. Because you don't even know, like, how much you made. And then also, on the flip side, like you said earlier with the bank, you're like, well, I'm not really showing any money. I'm not right. depositing it in the bank. So they're like, well, mm-hmm. your tax returns, show losses, your bank accounts don't got any money in there. Right. If we, banks don't like money under the mattress. So, <laughs> For sure. Yeah, so it's good to, you know, deposit money in the bank and then also keep it in your POS system as well. So what are some things these banks look for? I mean, I haven't, um, I've done, like, you know, business credit cards, but I haven't physically went and applied for a business loan yet. Right. Mm -hmm. But let's say I'm ready for that process. What should I have? You know, of course, my tax returns to Mm -hmm. to show my income or revenue. But what what are some other things that entrepreneurs should have, you know, in order to start the business loan process that you've seen? Yeah. So they're going to see, like you said, two to three years of your business tax returns. If you don't have those, you probably won't get a secure loan um, or unsecured loan. But also they want to look at financial statements. So that profit and loss and look at the balance sheet. And some might want to look at a cash flow statement. Oftentimes, depending on the bank and the size of the loan, they might want you to look at a personal financial statement, which is you and your whole financial situation. So, you know, your other expenses, your debts, everything that you got. So for someone, let's say, who doesn't have experience creating those type of, um, you know, files as needed, right? Does QuickBooks um, create financial statements, profit loss and all that for you? Or is that through your CPA or tax preparer? Where can people get those documents or how can they create them? Yeah, so QuickBooks, it does all that stuff for you. So as long as you keep all your transactions categorized Mm -hmm. and it's balanced with your bank account, you can immediately generate the profit and loss. Mm -hmm. Um, You may or may not need help with a CPA or a bookkeeper might be able to help you with the balance sheet because that's a little different than just doing transactions. So balance sheet is keeping track of your assets and your liabilities. So assets are, you know, things that have value that you you own. So that could be a car, that could be cash in the bank. So it keeps value of that. And then it compares it against your liability. So that's, you know, outstanding loans, credit cards, things like that. So that's a little bit different that had to be recorded in there. But gotcha. if everything's recorded properly, which a bookkeeper should be able to do, right. and you'll have the financial statements that you need for the bank. Gotcha. Now, that's, that's definitely a good point. I know I've, I fell across that opportunity sometimes, um, even during the, 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 the pandemic when a lot of people need that stuff, you know. I was trying to tell people, really, you should be on QuickBooks. This is what you need to be doing. But, you know, sometimes you have to learn through your own experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure that everybody should be up to date now because they yeah. realize there's a lot of opportunities that they missed. Yeah. Um, did you deal with that a lot, being a CPA, or you don't really kind of handle on that level? Yeah, no. So I did help quite a few people with the PPP loan process. And, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of people that missed out because, right. you know, they didn't want to, you know, they did a lot of those write-offs. They didn't report sure. a lot of income paying employees under the table and they don't have any books. So when it comes time to, you know, all right, let's take advantage of this government bailout right. money. They say, well, we want to see financial statements. <laughs> we want to see right. tax returns. And if they didn't have those in order, then they just, you know, missed out. So I did, you know, see that quite a bit. Got you. I also want to talk about the importance of, you know, working with people and hiring them. So you should be giving everybody, every one of your contractors that work with you a W-9. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. 1099. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, but of, of course, first you get them W-9, they fill it out, you give yep. them a 1099. And I believe, 
correct me if I'm wrong, that anything over, is it 600? Yep. Okay, anything over, I did my research. <laughs> so anything over $600, um, you need to make sure you get that. So one of my problems that I've faced and that I've seen a lot of too is, is there a time frame to when you need to send that out? Because I've noticed some, you know, individuals may file the taxes as soon as the timeline is up, and some business owners try to, you know, take their time and wait a long, or wait a while to file it. So is there, does that cause any issues if someone files their taxes first without utilizing um, the income that, you know, that the business may report on them? No, so that doesn't um, cause any issues. So, like, if I contracted you, you contracted me for some work, right. and you didn't issue the 1099, but I know how much I got paid, you know, I can still file my taxes. So I know how much I made. Um, I don't necessarily have to issue the 1099 to the IRS, but you as the person that, you know, is issuing it to me, you also issue that to the IRS. So right. they give you a deadline. Typically, it's, like, around the end of the year before January or something. You know, you send a copy of that to the IRS, so they have it on file. So when they see me file, they say, "Okay, well, we got right. this. We know you made this from this source." Same thing. It's like when you work somewhere in W two, it goes to to the IRS, and then also you have your version of it as well. Is this, in your opinion, is this something you feel like people can do on their own, or should they hire somebody to help them with the whole, you know, ten eighty nine process? You saying like issuing them? Right, issuing them. It it depends on the person, but yeah, you can issue them. It's just a form. Um, even QuickBooks will help you do stuff like that. So QuickBooks, mm-hmm. it has it where it help you do 1099s, payroll. So it help you manage employees and contractors. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, support that can help you. Um, if you're, like, a more complex business, right. then, yeah, you probably want to hire somebody to help you out with that. But if it's just, you know, some small things, then you. you might be able to tack it on their own depending on how savvy you are. Dope, dope. And uh, you got to touch on these common mistakes. Like I said, when we first started franchise taxes, <laughs> let those be the death of me. So – my first question to you is, for somebody who's starting who doesn't even know about franchise taxes, where do you even get this information of knowing everything you need to file? Because when I first started, like I said, I had, of course, I had my receipts. I was ready, went to tax repair. I gave them all the information. You know, they filed my taxes. I thought mm-hmm. I was good to go. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, later on, I ended up getting a letter. So, yeah. um, first of all, like, where do you find all the information? Where are some resources to let you know these are everything you need to you know, file complete as a business owner when it comes to taxes. You know, like a resource link for that? Yeah, I mean, well, not necessarily a resource, but it should be a resource that you actually pay for, which is like your registered agent. So your registered agent, that's their job. Their job is to make sure that you know about deadlines for things. So when every business owner starts, they typically get a letter in the mail, usually it's the one that says like, hey, buy this poster and put it up for like employees if you run the payroll, but it gives you information on how to set up. If you are going to have employees, you need to pay your payroll taxes in quarterly. Um, and then it's also different offices. So, like, the registered agent should be able to tell you that the tax preparer you went to, they're just filing your, your federal taxes because right. we're in Texas. So the franchise tax you're talking about, that's a state-level tax, so that's okay. something that's not even in their wheelhouse, so they're not going to ask you about any of that stuff typically. But if you did have, like, a financial advisor or CPA, you know, they would tell you, you know, hey, you need to make sure you got sales tax taken care of or that right. applies to your business. Your franchise tax, and they'll manage. They'll basically give you, or they'll at least run for you a tax calendar, which has all the deadlines. Gotcha. And you can Google like tax calendar. IRS will have those. All the state agencies will have those okay. as well. So you can Google those, download them, sync them with your calendar, so you know, like, hey, this is due. Franchise tax is due May fifteenth every okay. time. Because I know a lot of businesses, <laughs> even even now, it's like, hey, you know, they want to go and do something. They're like, hey, you know, what? I want to change to that S corp, and it's like, well, you can't. Or I want to open that bank account. It's like you can't. Cause they look you up and they say your business is suspended. Right, exactly. In Texas, so we can't do anything until you figure that out. So that's when that's usually when it comes up. Yep. 
So what exactly is a franchise tax for those who don't know? So franchise tax, in a nutshell, it's just the right to do business in your state. So in Texas, it's just the right to do business in the state. And really, it's just a return you have to file. If you don't do more than a million dollars in revenue, you don't even owe anything, but you do have to file file it. it. Otherwise, you'll have penalties on that, which is like $50. Yes. And then also, you won't be able to do certain things because your business, your LLC would be suspended. Yeah. So to, you know, to be tr- fully transparent, my first LLC, um, I had to pay $50 each year that I didn't file. And then I owed them like a couple thousand. And it was crazy because I didn't really make any money with that business. Mm-hmm. But I guess they is... They, I don't know if they assume or estimate how much you should be paying. All right, so my, my LLC, I ended up just letting it go. I forfeited it. Mm-hmm. Um, I still owe those fees, and mm-hmm. I ordered a couple, you know, I think it was like $2,200, something like that. So is there any penalties or anything, you know, wrong with forfeiting LLC? Like, will I be penalized in the future when it comes to opening a new business, or, or is that something that it's okay to just forfeit and move on? Like, what's the best practice, actually? I would say don't keep skeletons in the closet. <laughs> Like just, right. like just handle it because you you never know like you could get bought for a while but you know there's a statute of limitations but they could always come back later um you know when things are different policy and things are going on and say hey you know what well, we actually need this and we want to add more interest and stuff gotcha like that. So uh-huh. i would just i'll just take care of it okay. if you feel like you didn't owe the money you know just follow what you made and you know just clear that up okay. it might be where you don't even owe anything because last thing you want is them to estimate because they just assuming right they don't know so you got to let them know yeah, no, exactly. Okay, so we went over franchise taxes. Now, sales taxes. What type of company should have a sales tax? So me as a media company, I might be wrong, but I don't do sales taxes. because I'm basically like in the service business. So I don't do sales taxes. Yeah. yeah, so typically it's mainly just product type business, okay. general rule of thumb. You know, you go in the store, buy something, you buy something online. Online is a little different right? because it's different states. Okay. But, um, so... That's a little more complex, but just in general, you know, if you're selling like products, you definitely are going to have sales tax. Okay. All right. So let's say company XYZ has a healthcare line, a product line, or e-commerce brand. Mm-hmm. Um, should they be filing a sales tax? Should they have a sales tax permit? Yeah, you want to have it because, one, you, you need to have that to be able to do it just to have your regulation. But at the same time, it benefits you on both sides as well because that sales tax permit, which is what it's called in Texas, is used to – also, when you go and get your materials, so you need materials to make your product. So that's what you use so you don't have to pay tax to the distribu- the wholesaler, distributor, whoever you're getting your okay. products from because you don't want to be paying tax twice. You don't want to pay tax right. when you go get the products. If you're buying it from Walmart, buying the products, and then you got to go and then charge tax too. So right. you save money when you don't have to pay that tax because they don't charge tax business to business. Right. They only care about charging tax to the end consumer because sales tax – it's not a tax that the business owner pays. It's just what they call a remittance tax. So it's okay. a tax that you hold on behalf. And you're responsible since you uh, sold something for giving it to the government. But if you don't, they're going to come and get it from you. Got you. So you definitely want to charge that. No, that makes sense. And from your experience, because I know you have you have your own business as well. More, your experience, how you have to deal with sales tax and yeah. situations? Yeah, sales tax, deal with the comptroller. I mean, <laughs> if it's one thing, the comptroller, they're going to they yeah. pull up. They're going to they gonna ask for that stuff. Um, But, yeah, definitely have sales tax permit for a business before had a story, a funny story I tell you. So it's a lot of taxes that you might not even know about. This right. one tax was called 911 prepaid wireless tax. Okay. So I had a cell phone repair business in Waco. And one day we were just, you know, in the store doing business. A lady walks in and says, you know, hey, you know, what y'all got going on? Do y'all sell prepaid phone service? I'm looking for prepaid phone service. We're like, yeah, we can sell that. What you need to wear? She's like, well, I'm actually with the comptroller office. <laughs> and apparently there's a tax you're supposed to be paying. Yeah. And you haven't paid in two years. So we're going to need to need to get with you about this so i had to go sit with them do an audit oh wow um long story short 
had to go and pay two years of back taxes for this certain tax with the state plus penalties and interest. So um, if it's one thing to know, the comptroller, they're going to come. So you definitely want to be prepared and make sure you stay up on that they'll come eventually. I mean, so it sounds like once you start getting some revenue, it's just it's just better just to have an accountant on your team. No, absolutely. <laughs> I was talking to somebody, and they said you want to have an accountant, um, a lawyer, and some type of business manager. Those are like three things you want to kind of have you know, sure. for all businesses. I know everybody's not at that level to hire each one, but you know, at least at least start on one and work towards you know um, the next. So, out of your experience, if you had to you know put the three in order, like in level of importance, which one would you put them at? That's that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of hard, but I, I would say, I mean, if I had to rank it starting out from scratch, right? I would say like get some type of advice, like even if it's some type of free advice you can get for legal because a small business you know if it's a normal average business i'm not saying that this is like some high you know some state-of-the-art tech company you need to pay right. and all that stuff that's a different type of business but just a regular everyday business you probably won't need a whole lot of legal help at the very beginning other than maybe if you've got a fire llc mm-hmm. um but you know maybe use the services that just give you like advice and not necessarily do services for you okay. You can get by with a bookkeeper for a little while and, you know, really get that business manager because you really need someone that's going to help you get the business operating the way it needs to. Um, Then I would say, you know, bring in a CPA. And hopefully you don't have to bring in a lawyer, but it's always good to have (laughs) have one available. Yeah, have one. (laughs) No, have one really available just in case. You never know. Um, But, no, that makes sense. Um, I would would probably say the same. Yeah, I I would rank them the same. I've worked with, you know, a plethora of different people. I'm just give you a quick story. So in the media space, I know we're talking about finances, but I'll tell you a story about on a legal aspect. So on the media space, um, of course, I understand copyright infringement, right? But what I didn't know is that just because you give somebody credit doesn't mean you have permission to use. Mm-hmm. So there was like a, a year span to where I was getting like emails about threatening to get sued like every month. Because we would write articles and we didn't have profile pictures for people writing articles on. So we just find something online. Uh, let's say we found it. Uh, I'm going to tell you the biggest one is uh, Getty. Yeah, is it Getty? Yeah, Getty. Mm-hmm. Getty.com is the biggest one. Like, if you use any of their photos, even if you credit them, they will st- the, the photographer will still, like, try to, to sue you or get credit or try to get some type of payment for it. Mm-hmm. So I've been threatened to be sued multiple times. And it's like, man, let me at least, like, start consulting with, you know, an attorney so I could figure out what do I have the legal rights to do, right? What can I do? Because I always thought if you gave someone credit, that means that you have permission to use it because I'm giving them a credit. I'm letting the people know that this isn't my photo, mm-hmm. this person who shot it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you have to have, like, actual permission. Yeah, like a release form. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's, um, from the media side, that's why it's, it's easier, you know, just to create original content and not have to worry about, like, resharing or repurposing other people's content because there's a lot of, red tape when it comes to that so mm-hmm. that's my gem for the day <laughs> when it comes to business and you know and legalities um but i kind of want to talk to you about giving you having given you the platform to kind of you know kind of share some gems that you feel like maybe people aren't aware of when it comes to you know expenses um write-offs financials taxes that you know that people should really know of and that's been a misconception that you have to like talk about a lot with, with your clients or other businesses mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, I mean, a gym is you need to be doing, like, tax planning. So a lot of people do, they're reactive with taxes. You know, hey, it's the beginning of the year. I either want to file because I'm getting money back or I don't want to file until 
I'm gonna file an extension until October because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to pay anything. That's the time we're around now. But sure. you definitely, and once you get that level, you definitely want to do tax planning, which is just you know having a plan, a strategy for what you want to do with your taxes based on your business goals and where you're going. Okay. And that'll really help navigate some of those conversations, like you're asking about, like you know, like the bank and things like that. What do they want to sure. see? Because if you know, like, hey, you know, next year, next two years, I want to buy a house or something like that, then you know, like, hey, you know, I need to make sure that I'm showing this amount on my, you know, returns and not saying like, you know, fix your numbers, but say, okay, how can we minimize my tax liability? And I'll get to that in a second too, and still be able to make it to where I can get approved for the loan. So when I say minimize tax liability, it's important for people to have like a good mindset. So like, um, I never forget when I studied for my CPA license, uh, one instructor, he was like, he was like, the goal isn't to not pay tax. If you don't want to pay tax and just don't make any money. Right. He was like, change their mindset to minimizing tax liability because it puts you in the state to say, okay, what rules exist out there that I can capitalize on to minimize tax versus just saying, what can I do just so I don't have to pay anything? Gotcha. And that's when bringing in a tax professional that does tax planning for you, which is what people like, you know, Donald Trump use. He don't pay tax because he pays CPAs, tax attorneys. They go and research the tax code and they find everything that he can do in order to minimize how much he owes. Okay. Um, and those people, you know, they look at the code and it's the, the government, they have different, they put out tax incentives to influence behavior for whatever their policy is. So gotcha. it's like, you know, hey, we want to invest in solar. You know, we want more people to get, you know, electric cars. Then we're going to give you a tax break. You're going to buy gotcha. a Tesla. Now you can get a credit on your tax for this. So it's how they influence behavior. Hey, you do what you want. Right. You know, you won't have to give us this money. So that's kind of how they play that game with that. So there's people that all they do is study the tax code. Mm-hmm. And they find ways to hey, say, okay, hey, you go invest in low-income area for real estate. Right, right. You I've can get that. a tax break here. So, it, it, and it can get really, you know, complex and advanced. But in general, you should, you know, be doing tax planning. Um, another thing is when it comes to, like, write-offs, I wouldn't worry about getting a whole bunch of write-offs. More right. so focus on, you know, remember I said write-offs are not dollar for dollar, but what is dollar for dollar is credit. So, okay. easiest thing that everybody can understand is if you got a kid or you know somebody got kids, I'm sure you do. Um, they all get, you know, child tax credits, so they get money back. So the difference between a credit and a write-off is a write-off, it just gives you, it minimizes the amount of income right. that's subject to tax. So if you made $10,000, $10,000, they are going to charge you tax 25%, dollars you know, $2,500. Okay. Versus if you make $10,000 and you got a credit for $5,000, then you only owe 5000 You know, okay. you know 2500 is the tax, and you actually get 2500 back, is what I mean. Gotcha. So it's, you know, at the bottom line versus at the top. So that's the difference in those. And then also when it comes to, like, the banking stuff and you still want to, you know, I don't want to pay as much tax, you know, you can also utilize well, non-cash deductions. So banks will add back certain things when they look at it. So you okay. can say, hey, you know, here's my bank. I had a $10,000 loss last year but i still want to you know get this loan that's okay well we look at it it looks like you had depreciation for fifty thousand dollars for something we had that back because that's not a real expense it's a non-cash oh, expense okay it's just something that you get to deduct for a tax purpose right so if it's other things that are non-cash expense depreciation is the most popular one okay then those are things that you can benefit from and say hey i can minimize my tax liability now but also i'm in good shape because i know next year that i want to go and get this loan so they're going to add that back so that's something that um, people utilize heavily, mostly with real estate, but you can do it with any assets. So even if you got computers that you use, you can depreciate those. Okay. And even like right now where we're in, this is the last year that it's going to be at 100%. It's something called bonus depreciation. Okay. So depreciation, they give you like these schedules, I like how it works, and it's like a certain amount over time. 
but the bonus depreciation rules lets you write off 100% the first year you get it. Okay. So you go and say, hey, you know what? I'm about to go get a new new MacBook that costs $1,200. You can depreciate the whole $1,200 mm-hmm. in that year. Gotcha. You, you, go, you go and buy a car, you can depreciate the whole amount of the car in the oh, first right. year. Mm-hmm. And next year, it's going to start to phase out. But this year, it's still 100%. So that's also other things that you want to look into when you do, like, tax planning strategies for people. Got you. So you talk about the tax credit. We've got to ask this because, you know, I might use my personal <laughs> outside of the child tax credit because, you know, somebody else gets that. <laughs> yeah. What are some business tax credits? Give us like one that you that's pretty common or that's pretty popular, but you may think that, you know, our audience may not know about it. Yeah. So there's a lot of business owners that don't know about the R&D credit, so research and development credit. Okay. So most people think that typically you got to have like a tech type or medical type business. And it's not true. It can apply. Um, there are a lot of like tax tax firms out right now that are targeting people that are small businesses to help get them the R and D credit. Okay, and that is something that you want to consult with a professional that does that you know day in day out to really be able to go through and see if you qualify for that. But a lot of small businesses right now in America they're applying they're applying and getting these research and development credits. Okay, no, that's that's a good gem, man. You sh- you should a lot of gems, man. But you know this is relationships with the money. Powered by Frost Bank. So uh, everything about this program is kind of giving business owners more information and knowledge when it comes to the finances and their business finances. So we talked a lot about, you know, um, dealing with banks, what they may be looking for. But if you had to, like, overall say this is one thing I feel like, you know, as a small business, you should have readily available for a bank to put you in the right position. What would you say that is? Would you say it's making sure your tax documents are together? Would it be, say, putting any position to where you're showing profitability what is something that you feel like, you know, will put you in a great position to be able to get capital from a bank when it comes to, you know, your business taxes and structuring your business? Yeah, I mean, the number one thing that banks look at when it comes to loan is cash flow, right? Okay. So you want to be able to show that, and that's with the financial statements, and that's with your tax return. So that's that's all they're going to look at, cut and dry, unless it's some spe- special type of thing you're doing. Nine times out of ten, that's all they're going to look at, and that's all they're going to care about gotcha. is cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. So this is relationships with money. So, you know, I have to ask, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been transparent and told people about, you know, my relationship with money, how I learned about money. Um, you know, both my parents are Panamanian. They came from the country of Panama. So everything with money, they paid for in cash growing up. Uh, it wasn't until I got to college and started using credit cards to I started doing my own research and learn from trial and error and experience about money and do my own types of, uh, you know, investing. Um, so mine has been, it started off as a negative experience with money mm-hmm. and then it got to the point to where I started to understand how money works. Like for one, uh, money doesn't do much for you sitting in the bank. Right? Right. You got to let it work for you. So since I've realized that and I made more money, been able to invest, put money to the side in different projects, et cetera, my relationship with money became, uh, began to become positive. And that's what something I'm teaching within my daughter as well. Like, you know, if I give her a hundred dollars for her birthday, don't spend all hundred dollars of it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, put some to the side. Uh, or, like, she likes Nike a lot. She wears everything Nike. Mm-hmm. Maybe buy, you know, a share of Nike stock before you purchase, you know, some shoes or something. So there's, like, different thing, things I'm telling her about money and her relationship with money. So what about you? How, how was your relationship with money growing up? How did you learn about money? And is it positive, negative? Just kind of fill us in on your personal experience. Mm-hmm. I'll say it's give and take. So, like, pre-college, I learned about money, you know, just by doing, you know, started, you know, little business and, you know, middle school, high school. So I just learned about, you know, money, you know, just through running the business. So just by, you know, like taking cash in, how much money do I need to go and like be able to go re-up on the snacks and right. stuff. Um, and I just learned about it like that way. 
I wasn't really the best at like keeping it though. So I didn't <laughs> learn that. I didn't learn that concept until like after college. Right, <laughs> like, right. It's not about how much you make; it's about how much you keep. For sure. So when I got to college, of course, you know, having the accounting background, I learned a lot more about it. Like with my education, and also with business that I did, and then post college, the way I learned the most is by you know like listening to different people. So you know, it might be people on a podcast, or it might be people that are you know just posting a video on YouTube, or someone that's like a mentor type person learning from. So when it comes to things like, you know, invest in a more complex thing, that's like who I go to to learn that type of things from. Got you, got you. And it's something we do on Coastline. We always like to leave on a positive note, man. So you talked about how you learned about money. Give somebody, you know what I'm saying, one motivational money uh, advice or, you know, some type of, you know, piece of content to, to keep them on the right path when it comes to investing or education when it comes to financial literacy. What would you tell that one person, you know, who may be struggling, you know, trying to, keep money they can get it but they can't keep it or they don't know where to start when it comes to investing just something one just like one piece that you give them okay yeah i would say like everything and just in life in general it's about mindset so if you come in you know with a negative mindset towards money you're probably gonna have a negative outcome so have a positive mindset towards it and just remember like money is a tool it's not the end so you know the world doesn't end just because you don't have money because it's like with money it's funny like the way it attract it's like you know, you treat you treat the money right, more money will come. Versus you start treating it bad, you start worrying about it, then, you know, it's not going to come so much. So I'll just say, you know, have a positive mindset towards it and just, you know, keep that going. Nah, for sure. You heard it here on the Cosign Conversations Relationships with Money podcast powered by Frost Bank. I'm here with Gabriel Veasley. And make sure y'all follow, like, share, comment, and subscribe. Until next time, y'all take it easy.